Hello everyone, welcome to Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends, a podcast where I speak to people much more interesting than myself. Please enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Darren Matthews and Sometimes Friends. I am joined today by uh, the first guest who has come back for a second outing. So congratulations on that one. I'm joined by uh, basically Steve O'Timothy. How's it going, buddy? How's things? How's things? I'm back. I'm back. You're back. Back with a bang. Back with a bang because um, the first time we had you in the podcast, we were discussing your character, Farmer Michael, who uh, you are the creator of Farmer Michael, and you're now on live talking to me about We're going to talk about something else today uh, because you are live in Westside, where you're from in, in Galway. Um, uh, the reception should be fine. Um, Steve was talking to me from his phone. And uh, if he doesn't, if it, if it cuts out at all, that's because 5G is not available in Galway because um, Mark Jones, one of Steve's creators, had all the 5G masts cut down. So, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. What a lot of people don't know, like Saros and all them, you know, Gemma Darty's right. John Waters, genius, you know. Yeah. So, so some of some of the things we will talk about today on the podcast, majority of them will be will be a fin- opinion and fact, and sometimes we'll just throw in a random story that may not be true. So, uh, Steve, as uh, president of the Gemma Doherty fan club, how are you fighting the COVID nineteen lockdown? Uh, Gemma Doherty was born in Banisloe in eighteen fifty five, and she <laughs> is. Um, we just throw in a few uh, non factoids for the crack. And then, and then we should go and change the Wikipedia entries to exactly what we've said. Yeah, yeah, and set up. Oh, I've seen them already for in relation to that crisis in America. It's it's stunning what people do. They're put up like fake IMDb things to show that he was like a porn star and all. It's sickening. It's like there is no depths they will not plumb. Like it's. Oh, I don't know. Well, see, basically everyone's complaining that the world is falling apart and the world's fucked. But that's why I wanted you to come on the podcast, because we're going to talk about something that is a positive today, which is what you did this week. My test, is it? You're de- <laughs> Fuck, I hope not. Yeah, I cycled 5k. Did Hera cycle 5 Yeah, that was me on the bike. Yeah. The other day. yeah. yeah. I'm fighting at some random Indian couple going up the road, and they looked at me, and I was like, yeah, that was me. So, yeah, I'm probably going to be accused of all sorts now. But yeah, I've done a 5k cycle uh, this Saturday, gone and raised uh, 60 grand, so... I was delighted with that. It kept me focused during the, the lockdown, which half the reason I'd done it for selfish uh, reasons, but well, two reasons. It did keep me focused, but I wanted to do it in memory of my mother as well. So it was a good, yeah. good so, thing. Yeah, the initial plan, of course, when, when you come up with this uh, mad idea, uh, we, we should explain it probably to people because people do listen to this in different parts of the world. If people don't know who Steve O'Timothy is, why is a 5K cycle such a big deal for your good self? I can't walk. I'm sitting outside Sinead's back garden and someone goes like, 5K? Fucking hell, man. I said, I can't walk. And he's like, all right, man. <laughs> well, I, do, I can't walk, like, but I walk with crutches and I use a wheelchair, as you know. So, yeah. And steps are my like mortal enemy. So, yeah. So, was, oh, there's a truck coming in i just have to pull a bit forward oh, do, 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 welcome to welcome to zoom podcasting in the 2020s like yeah because i'm uh, i'm parked uh i'm not parked in the parking space i'm parked across two of them because i'm trying to not have the sun shining on me so yeah so steve is recording oh, live, from, live from his you know, do, you, do you people know who i am you know 
My, my one for that is, don't you know who I think I used to be? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's more confusing. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, well, ah, you're smart. <laughs> but, uh, so basically, you, you did 5K around a track um, where you're from in Galway. So Yeah. Yeah, so I suppose at the beginning I was I was thinking of doing something like you know like obviously I thought about the IWA because my mom was a full time wheelchair user and given my own disability so you know obviously they're on the front lines as well and they're often forgotten about and you know I thought yeah I'll do something for them maybe a, a mini cycle on the exercise bike or something a K or something in the house or two Ks or something then I opted to five K and then I said to Sinead feck it I'm just going to do it on a real bike and we'll you know, it'll just up the ante big time. So yeah, that's how what, it came about. Really. What was the idea to go onto the real bike? Was that kind of if you make the challenge harder, you'll have to do it? Because obviously, once you tell people you're doing it, you're just like, right, that's it. Because I mean, the idea is in your head, and you're thinking, yeah. if I say this out loud, I have to fucking do it. I know. I kind of threw it up, and then when I first went out on the bike, and I could only manage to get up around the estate. I started to worry and then all the videos come in from the likes of Tyson Fury and all these people and then I started getting afraid and I was like, yeah, I'm in too deep now. I actually have to do this, you know, whether I like it or not. So like, yeah, it was it was tense going because down at the track one day, myself and my trainer, Derek Hurley, we got up to five, we got up to six laps, which was under half of what I had to do and I was wrecked and it took me 45 minutes and I really started to like, out myself and I got really afraid coming up with the heat and everything so I had to call it off till 7 o'clock that day instead of 12 so if I did it at 12 I, I probably would have died so like I uh, we were I think the worst part of actually doing that I was doing good and you know when you have people doing it with you you're kind of paced and it's kind of easier like you often see them people that get to redo their race in the Olympics and they're four minutes slower because they have to race it alone that kind of thing and the worst part was when I think I someone said, like, we're at the 10th lap now. And then someone pulled up aside and said, oh, I check back there. You're running on the ninth. And I was like, oh, 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 oh. That, like, they shouldn't have told me that at all. So, yeah, it was, it was tough going. But I'm, I'm, like, absolutely delighted that I could do it without taking a break because that was the other goal I'd set myself. So Yeah. Well, the, the other thing as well is with the strength you have in your legs. So you, once you're up and you're balanced, you can go. But... You're not fucking stopping to put your foot down to take a rest, you know what I mean? That's not what's happening. No, no, no. There's no, like, as I said before, if I lose balance, like, my legs aren't going to protect me. It's either my hands or stop myself with my face. So th- yeah. they're the two options. Which, which was my advice. I was, I was posting up for you saying, this is my mate Steve-O. If you've got the price of a pint, please donate. I put in my donation. There's my virtue signal for the day. And then thank you, thank basically you. I said to you, I was like, put a fucking helmet on, would you? Because you're not going to... It's not like if I fall off a bike, I can hop I my leg down and hop. I know. So many people were saying, wear the helmet. And I have it in the back and I brought it down and I just forgot with the heat and everything. And other people were wearing helmets and I felt really bad then. But I just think it added to an extra element of danger that I'm going up on a bike with. Have, I have all right balance. Like that, that kind of doesn't leave you. Because as you know, I used to do BMX tricks and mountain bike tricks and stuff so you always kind of have that but I think it added an extra element of danger the fact that I could fall off and actually hurt myself so well I think when I was chatting to you when you were doing the training and you you, you included it in some of the uh in some of the press you did there was the very funny thing where you said that you were doing 
you were doing this in memory of your mother because she was a full-time wheelchair user, but she used to actually shout at you when you were on your bike. Yeah, that I'd break my neck. Ah, uh, see, so, I mean, she was half right. Was it your neck or your back? <laughs> both, both. both. So she was right in the end. She said, he'd break it, you'd break your neck on that bike. Because I used to be flying down the road, like, at age eight, doing a full free, uh, uh, frame stand on my BMX. Yeah. No yeah, up on the seat. And, like, neighbours used to go down to her, like, knocking at the door, like, ratting me out. Neighbours, like, ratting out to my mom. I'm going out to Evelyn. I'm going out to Evelyn if you don't get off that bike. So I, it was just the thing I always done. So I always kind of put myself out. I was always a bit of a, whatever, ex-personality or whatever. I was kind of that way. Probably why I ended up the way I did. But like I thought, like, you know, it's better off to do it that way. And it adds a little bit of more element of danger to it. And I know people didn't want to see me hurt myself. But I wanted to challenge myself and put myself out there. And the other thing is you were filming the whole event. So if you had a fell off the bike, that's 250 quid more we could have got from you. You've been framed for submitting the clip. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if I did fall off, it probably would have like got way more money. So it would have been a better thing. Oh, I look at the poor crippled child. He fell off. Ah, God bless him. Throwing another 50 quid there. Then I'd have another golf on me a week later for my hospital bills. Yeah, I, I think one of the one of the things that um, we've talked about previously, and, and you said because I mean the main thing was that you you are on crutches and a wheelchair user because of an injury. Your mother was a wheelchair user as well, which is how you yeah. got to know. I mean, who, the, the organization you were raising all the money for. And you used yeah. to volunteer there, didn't you? Yeah, I did. When I, got out of, when I got out of hospital about four or five years after I got out of hospital, I used to volunteer out there because I thought it'd be a nice little thing to do. And I was in college at the time. And it was just, I suppose that's where I kind of crafted what I do because I always used to be doing voices for the service users and doing accents and doing impressions and things. And they loved when I came in. And I loved the fact that they would ask where is where Steve you know what I mean so it kind of it kind of gave me new confidence as well I was performing in front of a room of people I wasn't really performing I was there sitting down and having tea but I was performing at the same time you know so yeah how, how did you um how did you end up getting the it's so weird as well obviously with with the modern world where we can like we're worldwide and you've got a big following on the social media and stuff how are you able to get in the you seem to be able to get celebrities to help you quicker than you could get normal media outlets uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd have contacts with celebrities before I'd be able to get on a local radio station in Ireland. Ireland is very close. It is like we know this. We've talked about this before. There'd be more of a chance of me talking about doing an, a cycle for the Irish Wheelchair Association on a BBC radio station than there would on an Irish radio station. Now, some of them are very good and some of them like always give us always give us a buzz like classic hits and FM 104. They've always been good to us. But like the traditional ones, like Radio One and things like that, you, you don't get on them. You just don't, unless you're with Lisa Richards' agency or one of them things. You just you're not you're not a comedian. You know what I mean? And you know that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I always thought it was. I always thought in times of in times of trouble and the way the world's going, surely a nice positive news story is a good thing. You're you're doing a good thing. You're raising money. There's honourable intention. It's in memory of your mother. That's a very Irish thing to do. Why would we not? Mm -hmm. In times of when yeah, know, people yeah. dying, why that's not have a fucking positive news story? Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, it, you know, it's a good news story and it's it's an Irish guy putting himself out there and you don't have to talk about my comedy. You don't have to plug me. I don't give a shit. Just plug the charity and let's raise a couple of pounds, you know. And thank God, like, I have a few links with celebrities and a few people that follow me on Twitter and stuff, which made it a bit easier and, you know, 
I, I only asked Seamus Coleman for a video in support and then he was obviously watching it and he waited till it got near 60 grand and then he brought it above the 60 grand and how apt that it was Seamus Coleman to bring it to the 60 grand, do you know what I mean? So that was brilliant. Well, a couple of things. Obviously, you're you're a mad Everton fan, so Seamus Coleman obviously is a Republic of Ireland legend who plays for Everton. But I had a theory because we all love a good conspiracy theory. Do you reckon did Seamus bump up the cash because he's trying to get rid of the stigma that Donny Goldman are tight hers? Could be now, could be. I heard it's like, see, we have a different impression down here. We don't see Donny Coldman as tight hers. He might up there. Cavan people, Cavan oh, well. people are the. Calvin people are like number one, but we, we would say uh, from my experience of living abroad, Donny Goldman would be a bit of a, a tight one as well. They need, they need enough money to buy a nice car. And after that, they've no thought of what they're going to do. So Seamus Coleman to not, not fill yeah, up his a, Land Rover for a week. Thanks very much, man. I'd say he's a couple of pounds in his credit union account anyway, to put it that way, or his post office account. Yeah, I know, but it was nice to do it. It was, it was a brilliant, a brilliant move. And no, I, I, I think... Uh, it's it's amazing, like that. A few then the Irish print print media started picking up that when he done that. I was like, okay, okay, take the the first uh, fifty eight grand that I raised myself away from me. <laughs> so it was a bit, yeah. And the Irish Sun done a thing on it, but I was like, not sharing that because, as you know, you don't. We don't fuck with the Sun because no, if we did, not. even. If I put that up on my Twitter and said thanks to the Sun, that's that's our fellow gone. That's, that's dead. You don't do that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just support, supporting the Liverpool football team or a team based in Liverpool. We all know the story about the Sun, so let's not even yeah. mention the bastards. I wouldn't give them the yeah. the option. Even in Scotland as well, that's a big thing. Though. Yeah, but basically, I mean, as you yeah, as you said, whenever people jumped on board, whenever Seamus Coleman helps you raise the sixty. Um, I definitely think that there shouldn't be anything that discredits everybody who donated because everything from a yeah. fiver, some people were giving you 500 euros, some people were giving you maybe the price yeah. of a pint. And I think it's people the, were apologizing, people were apologizing, they were sending me messages on Instagram and on Twitter, apologizing. So I only sent you like 10 pounds, it's all I can spare. I'm sorry, I couldn't afford more. And I'm just like, don't ever apologize for donating to a charity. Like, my god, a fiver in these times can be a lot of money, that can be like a dinner at the end of the week you know what I mean so don't don't ever fucking apologise you know what I mean you're doing a good thing apologise if you didn't donate or yeah. if you can't even afford to donate like I said in loads of videos if you can't afford to donate so be it just share it or retweet or you know what I mean highlight it in some way you know so well to, to highlight what we're talking about I mean let's highlight the charity um, I, I, I did talk about like your mother being a wheelchair user and also you helping out with the charity. What, what is the charity, the, the Irish wheelchair? What, what do they do? Irish wheelchair association deal with people with uh, wheelchair users and people with mobility issues in Ireland since I think the 60s. They're one of the oldest organisations because as you know in Ireland before that people like, like us were just, we were not only forgotten about, but it was shameful to have a disabled person. It was shameful that you, you kept that hidden. You know, like learning disability as well, you kept it hidden. You kept it institutionalized. There was the stigma attached. We still have that in Ireland where if I'd be walking on my crutches, I'd be like, oh, what happened to your ankle? Jules, you hurt your ankle. If I'm in the wheelchair, someone will address Sinead. Still oh, there. Right. Because I'm obviously if I'm in a wheelchair, I must be brain damaged or I mustn't be right upstairs mentally. And like... I'd be like, what the fuck did you say? Excuse me? Because like my, my whole goal, and I think my whole goal when I was dealing with the Irish Retail Association, I told them like, I'm not going to be 
tiptoey friendly about this when I'm raising the plight and I hope that that doesn't put you off back at me because I like the fact that I'm a loud outgoing introverted extrovert be it but I'm I want to change the perception of disabled people for disabled people I'm not going down that and I said to them straight away you kind of play into it sometimes where disabled people are shy and quaint and you know within themselves i i don't want that i want i want disabled kids to maybe look up and see that like oh my god farmer michael is disabled he uses a wheelchair too like and it might get them a little bit of street cred in school or whatever that's that's what i want to happen you know what i mean i don't want them to i want them to look up and go jesus i can be i can be a bollocks just like everyone else i am just like everyone else you know so well i mean for someone who's known you for a couple of years now i can definitely confirm that you are not right in the head but it's nothing to do with your wheelchair so yeah 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 well, that's, that's a well-known fact that's that's the first uh, actual fact we've thrown up in the show today <laughs> i've got the i've got the certs to prove that yeah well i'm, I'm glad that the the charity was was with you because i mean but, but it's oh, they're, they're absolutely loved it and they like sending me messages of thanks from the ceo down to the like director and everything saying like we love the way you went about it and we were really thankful and you you exposed us to a vastly wider audience than we could have done ourselves like you know when whatever like ricky hatton or tyson fury or gary lineker mentioned the irish wheelchair association in a normal days weeks work you know it's it just doesn't happen so the very fact and he retweeted it and everything and like the views went up by about a hundred thousand within a few minutes and the donations went up and freddie flintoff donated and you know just things like that like I'd say the vast majority of the donations, well, well over half came from the UK. And it was nice of them lads to do that, given it is the Irish Wheelchair Association, you know, and people can be a bit reticent about donating to what is not theirs, if you get me, you know. So yeah. it was nice that it crossed that, it crossed that divide. And like I've always said to you, we, we pride ourselves in actually crossing the divide politically, not only between the UK, but up the north as well. Well, one of the big things I wanted to say to you was... Um, I myself hadn't really heard much about the Irish Wheelchair Association because I'm from the north and we have a national health service. Yeah. So people, yeah, yeah. people who are wheelchair users here are up here are, well, I mean, I don't want to make this sound bad for people in the south, but probably a bit better taken care of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you wouldn't have to scrounge for a wheelchair or get a GoFundMe page up to get a, a wheelchair. It is given to you by the state yeah. for you. Well, well, one, one of the things that this is now promoting and i saw with the whole covid19 uh, aspect of how healthcare has been handled in the south it has now restarted the discussion of should the republic of ireland have a national health service yeah well like the hse the, the western health or the irish the original one was meant to be ape itself on that and that soon quickly turned and now we're like obviously finnegan government in the past finnegan government and finnegan government the idea was to strip it down that you'd be waiting so long that you would go private it was to water it down and make it so fucking dysfunctional and inoperative that you would go inoperational that you'd just go private and like i've always said it, the very fact that a charity needs to exist in a state shows a fucking robust failure of that very state yeah. if there has to be a charity set up to do the job of said government then it's, the state has failed and the amount of charities we have in ireland and the uk at large shows that the state is failing in its duties well this is something that you and i have talked about in private because i i'm from yeah. me meeting you and me saying you know where did you get the wheelchair how, how was your services how, how does all that sort of stuff happen yeah. 
Ireland, Ireland that you were a young child in is very different. I mean, you were, you existed right through the, the Celtic Tiger and that sort of stuff where, so when you were a kid, yeah. there was fucking nothing in Ireland. I mean, even when the troubles were on, we used to be better off financially. Yeah, yeah. And well, we, we would go to the dock and fill up the car and get the groceries, you know yeah. what I mean? That's completely... Like when my dad lost his job, we after that we were we were fuck broke. Um, then my mom got sick. My dad had to mind her, so he was a carer. I don't think there was carers allowance that time. He just got a dole payment for us, and that was like I don't know, fifty eight pound or something for a family of five, with a person that needed like a lot of care. And basically, like at the end of the week, we would be hungry, and there was nothing really you could do about it. And I suppose that's when I when I became a teenager, how I, I just I began to get so rebellious and not give a fuck about the state and not give a fuck about people around me. Not really people around me, but I people in further off, wealthier estates because you see them as an enemy because you see them as I can I can legitimately steal from them because they're rich and they didn't give a fuck about my mother. They didn't give a fuck about me when I was a kid growing up getting you know growing up being hungry. So you know, you see them as a legitimate target. And that's how I started getting into all sorts of trouble. But still looking back to the day, I stand by what I did because I had to do it. And it might seem a bit fucking stupid to say that, but I do and I did. I mean, coming from that point of view, as you said, like you lived in a poor estate and your mother wasn't well. And yet there was, that didn't matter a fuck whenever the charity came in to help your mother with her, with her wheelchair use, right? So yeah. those, yeah. those charities... Those charities don't see wealth or poverty. No. They just see the people that need help, which is which is yeah. brilliant. I think that people who are involved in those charities are amazing. Where it's broad spectrum oh, of yeah. society. Yeah, there is no, there is no, there is no class system there. They will help anyone, you know. And that's like, you know, they were there when other people weren't there, and neighbors were there that I've never forgotten about. And you know, it's amazing that what one little good thing, even a, a neighbor dropping by with a cup of tea or how are you, Evelyn? Would you like me to get you one? Like that, that is, they, they're memories that live long for me because little things like that just make a huge difference. It's like what I always say to you, you get a lovely message on your Facebook page and you read it and you're literally in tears of the message. And that's, that's what keeps you going. Because as, as you know, what I do, there's a lot, a lot of misunderstandings and misrepresentations of what I do and, like I don't want the last day about uh, racism in America and that if black people don't want to get shot, maybe they should stay at home. And like on Twitter, most people got it on Twitter. On Facebook, you know, and they actually think, think you're a literal racist. And it's, it's like, but that's why satire exists, I suppose, because it's very 75, 25, you know. Waterford Whispers wouldn't exist if satire was understood by all. Yeah, because there'd be controversy there, you know. So it's just one of those things. But, but like, but, people are telling me not to do the video because I, I, sorry, I brought it up and people are like, "No, don't do it, man. Stay well away from it." And Sinead is saying it as well. And I said, "No, I like it. You, like you know, I'll always like even if I lose five thousand followers, I have to do it because I feel like I have to speak out as a person who has influence. I feel like I have to speak out. If I like morally, I feel like I have to speak out." A lot of people wouldn't do that. They won't, like most people that do videos in Ireland, they won't touch shit like that. And I will always do it. Maybe to my own detriment, but. Well, well I was going to say, I was going to say there was that risk of obviously any sort of good karma you had gathered from doing that and raising the money for the charity. Because well, whenever, exactly. whenever you asked, I mean, Steve, I, I was chatting to you about this and I was like, I was like, I don't know, dude, this is going to have to be either so clever 
but it doesn't matter how on the nose you hit it. People are there are people who aren't going to get it, and there are people who are going to be unhappy. And you were pointing out, I mean, the thing that you pointed out with that video was that what's going on in America is wrong, and also it's in Ireland. We can't be going about like we're holier than thou. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanted to make like I wanted to make the point, I suppose, that Michael was taking the position of the typical white person who doesn't see the problem. It was racist by, by default of uh, non-action or denying that there's an issue. And Michael took that position. And then obviously when Kathleen alluded to uh, Irish people being considered the blacks of Europe in the past, then I was like, fuck the police because I wanted to almost show the jump on the bandwagon thing. A few people misrepresented that as well. But I, I wanted to kind of show that as well, the, almost the counter to the initial statements that like I jump on the bandwagon now because I feel related to black or I feel like I have to help the poor blacks instead of empowering them, helping empower themselves. Yeah, well, I mean, I think from that as well, there, there has been a lot of the misrepresentation of um, um, whenever Irish people are like, oh, sure, that's just like us. I'm like, that's a different yeah. conversation for a different time. This is, this is a, an issue that is now, there are people riding in the streets. Yeah, yeah. This is now, and, we'll and come back to that. What about her? He has been thinking, and you know, yeah, you're giving out about your man, but what about blah blah blah? And you're like, well, why does it have to be either or? Like, injustice is injustice, just like this is the one that is on topic at the moment. Like, deal with it, let's deal with it. You know what I mean? Let's, like, yes, there is injustice all over the world, but we will deal with that, and we are dealing with that. And why, why can't you put up a tweet espousing that injustice instead of attacking me for? highlighting one other you know it's just uh, i don't know it's, it's and as you were saying there like the, the whole like oh so your irish were slaves too no they weren't like this nonsense thing that trends every now and again and it's it's been written off and proved false so many times indentured uh servitude is a lot different you 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 willingly entered into it you know you and it's a far right ploy to you know say that well the irish got on with life they don't complain so why don't the blacks do it? You know what I mean? And it's a totally different thing. It's a totally different ball game and kettle of fish. Well, I mean, as you say, injustice is injustice no matter where, where it is. And like, yeah. Jesus Christ, I, I grew up in the North. Uh, there's plenty of books on this shit, you know what I mean? But it's not yeah. about that now. This is, the, this is yeah. the now. This is the worldwide thing. I was, more, I was more worried about people, like they're just like, holy fuck, all of America's rioting. And I was just like, ain't nobody social distancing there, lads. So are we, are we just forgetting about the previous thing that's, Go and fuck yeah, up and yeah, yeah. jump into the next thing. Like I, like you know, I was kind of I was fifty fifty in my mind, like whether I support, I do support the protests, obviously, but I almost in a way support the riots. Now I don't support looting, but you're taken from the man, you're taken from the state that is that racism was systemic. So it's almost anything that's related to that state is. Up for the taking. Like if I was black in America, I'd be a I'd be a hardcore. Like I would literally hate white America, hate Trump, hate the state. Now, targeting you know Johnny's food store at the corner is probably obviously wrong because I'd be targeting federal buildings, state buildings, things like that. You know what I mean? Police stations, whatever. But like I know for a fact, if I was of that age and I was a black American, I'd be swept up with it without a fucking doubt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's, it's the same thing that, that um, 
I mean, riots in any country where it happens, where the whole thing of, as you say, white America or the Fox News watchers or the right wing, people that watch this kind of stuff and say, well, why can't you just protest? And you're like, well, these people have been protesting for a long time and you're not fucking paying attention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a few people, I've seen a few videos where people have basically said that, you'll fucking listen when we break shit. And sometimes yeah. it's the only way. Well, well, pretty much the whole thing, uh, similar idea to, to the North, which was, I mean, people in Ireland need to understand, before you go and say anything sort of racist, the Civil Rights Association in the North was inspired by Black America and the Civil Rights yeah. Movement. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that, that was the initial, that was the initial peace, peace rally where, uh, unfortunately, Bloody Sunday came out of it. And then, you know, we have a long, sad history then after that of people joining up with Republican and loyalist groups because they seen no other way because peaceful resistance was futile and it wasn't working and there was nothing coming out of it so and then of course you had the the hunger strikers and maggie thatcher who basically single-handedly by denying them the rights grew the ira she she made the ira because every every young lad that might have been reticent up until, until that time to join the republican movement straight out the door sign me up i'm fucking up for it you know what i mean and yeah, so, so th this should come as no shock whenever people in America, they're actually, oh, these riots are getting bigger. The protests are getting larger. I'm like, yes, that's what happens the longer this goes yeah. on. And, and of course, you have the few anonymous, you know, uh, human social psychology who would jump on us, the anonymity of crowds and would jump on for, you know, obviously that, that happens. That, that shouldn't downplay the cause in any way. That is always going to happen. Like white people have their big... Uh, their big like football parades when their college team win the, the Super Bowl or whatever. And they, they go out and they celebrate and then they break up shops and they rob shit. It doesn't take away from the fact that the team won the football. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I, we probably should have started this podcast with a disclaimer that this is just our opinion. <laughs> no, nah, this is not opinion, man. This is facts. If you don't agree, you're a twat. <laughs> Uh, that's well. I mean, that's an that's opinion. Michael, that's Michael talking. That that that's Michael talking. Okay, Steve. This is an audio-only podcast, and you didn't do the accent, so get ready for a fucking shitstorm on Twitter. <laughs> I was winking. You can't see me, but I was actually winking. You should actually put up the the video footage. Video will get more get more uh, reach. I I think you overestimate how sexy the two of us are, but. Uh, we'll give it a crack, will we? See, we'll put it up. Oh, and see what women, will be, women will just be dripping when they see this coming up on their feed. Yeah, you know, look at those two sexy gingers. A ginger and a lad in a wheelchair. Oh yeah, <laughs> some weird like uh, Deutsche pawn, yeah. <laughs> the, the ginger wheelchair, yeah. Rollstuhl. Oh my. Rollstuhl, yeah. But um, well, so I mean, it must have been nice. I mean, obviously, you, you did this during the the, the COVID nineteen lockdown, which, well, as you said, as a as a means of focusing, and then it was something you kind of you, you do seem to do the sort of stuff where you sort of force yourself into these situations. Is it is that just to make you do that? Because one of the things I do know about you as well is that you've been anxious before it was cool. So you know yeah, I, mean? I was yeah, I was one of them panic attack people like long ago. Before it was like cool to talk about it. I remember when I first came out about it. Oh, here he is looking for attention, and I was like, "Yeah." Oh man, yeah. Ha hashtag panic attack before it becomes a cool thing. Yeah. So as I said, Steve. I mean, obviously you being a, a jittery fucker before it was cool. Uh, were there any nerves on the day of the of the the actual bike ride, or was that were the nerves during the training? 
all the nerves were coming up to it. As you know, I was sitting up in the house for about three, four hours trying to catch my breath and thinking I'd ring an ambulance and all the usual uh, mannerisms and holding my nostril open to make it to convince my brain that I'm getting enough air and all that stuff. So, but I managed to kind of, I'm happy I got rid of that before I went down to the track because I was feeling a bit more relaxed and if it all came at once, like I know even doing that and even doing things like that are safety behaviors which strengthen the panic attacks. Like I know that. You're not meant to do those things. There are bad things because you're convincing your brain that if you didn't do them, that then, you know, that you would have, that something catastrophic would have happened to you. But sometimes you have to just cope. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't be fighting a panic attack every time. I can't go through a whole therapy session when we're about to go in and do the Millennium Forum in front of 500 people. You know what I mean? It's, it's, sometimes you just have to get on with it and kind of do your safety behaviors and do your little whatever panic attack in the car and get it over and and go in and do it one of the things that i'm always interested about whenever i talk to you is that whenever we talk about so i i've seen you in panic attack mode where i'm like i just calmly say to you if you need a cup of tea if you need me call me and i let you let you at it you're able to identify this is the sort of it's sort of like a sober person and a drunk person when you're in a panic attack you're panicking when you're not you can actually look at each of your panic attacks and go there's no cause for that you know it's like you can look outside yourself yeah, yeah. But, but there's no talking like, to you when you're in it it's weird yeah 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 even even during it i'll have to, like i'll have parts of my brain obviously the logic part saying you know you're all right and then the mammalian brain kicks in and you're going to fucking die fight or flight there's something there's something scaring you run 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 the line is coming you know what i mean you can't like that part of our brain like the frontal cortex and understanding and uh, you know that that is a new newly evolved part so the mammalian part the part that job is solely to keep you alive and keep your heart beating and keep you safe that's always going to override that you can add logic post post hoc logic analysis to it but you're not going to overcome it you're not going to win it and i know after as you were saying i I go like yeah you know but it's just one of those things you like you you just learn learn to live with it it becomes part of you and you just you kind of learn to deal with it and you know what's going to happen and you can it's probably it's probably a bit of a you know, setting yourself up for a fall as well, you know, expecting it to happen. It's self, self-prophecy like, but, you know, I'd rather do it, I'd rather do it before the show than do it during the show or after the show. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, but as, but, you know, like, as you know, I can be panicky right up until the moment, even going on. Sometimes it doesn't stop. But I get out there and I'm 10 seconds out there and the panic attack is gone. It goes, it disappears. I'm in Michael mode and I know what I'm doing, you know. Yeah, I was thinking, though, I mean, the day when you when you did the, the 5K, was, apart from the weather, was it was that harder for you whenever you, I mean, because the longer you leave it, you're, you've got the whole day to fucking think about having to do this. Did that add a degree yeah. of, of, was it harder then or was it was it just sitting in the house being like, oh, fuck? It was harder, but it would have been harder in the, like, noon summer days heat so it was it was harder in a way with the longer waist but at least i got to prepare a bit more mentally yeah it gave me more time for panic attack but it also gave me more time to mentally prepare positively outside of the panic yeah the panic because uh, the panic is is obviously oh fuck i've i've raised 50 grand i have to go do this but then the positive is i've raised 50 grand let's go enjoy the moment you know that kind of thing yeah. that's the difference of what I you're the panic is less that I have to do it and that I've raised it because I know I could pull out at any time and I know I wouldn't have to go down and I know all that. The panic is more about having 
a panic uh, being panicky about having the massive panic attack like I had in Dublin, having the big one again, having the big one in front of everyone, having to cancel in the middle of the race. Because obviously, if you're feeling panicky and you're exerting yourself, your heart is going to be beating fast. You're going to, you're necessarily going to be find it harder to get breath, which is mimicking a panic attack. Which to my brain, I go, you're feeling panicky, it's panic, and then the whole thing begins, you know. So I suppose I was more afraid of that. Well, I mean, to, to take it out in sort of a, a lighter mood, uh, I watched the video. I mean, uh, Sinead was filming and uh, another friend of ours, Paul David Murphy, were down filming. And uh, yeah. I, I thought well, on your last lap, you were, um, you were escorted round by, by some bikers. I saw that. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. I thought they were only going to come down and rev the bikes at the finish line at the last lap. Yeah. And then one of the lads said to me, Dara, my trainer, he goes, they're actually going to escort you around on the last lap. And I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. Like this. And I could hear them coming and I was just like, oh, this is amazing. This. Like, well, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you thought it was cool because when I watched the video, I initially thought it was very unfair that they were escorting you. I mean, like just, you know, like they were going to make sure that at the end that you, you were well supported. I thought it was unfair because obviously you being from Westside, like they thought that you were going to steal the bike and they'd have to chase you. I thought yeah, that was very yeah, unfair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the shopkeeper that get the Alan Connolly from Westside Cycles that gave me the bike, he probably hired them. He's going to do that finishing line. He's going to take that bike home. So. <laughs> get after him. But yeah, that, that's one of, the, one of the great things that you, you did actually get the support of your community was you got your bike yeah. provided and you had a trainer as well. That's class. Yeah. Yeah, oh. he's, he's, he's my like, trainer anyway, but like he went above and beyond. Like He was on call for me. He'd come out at the weirdest of times, like, you know what I mean? He, like, one day, like, oh, we'd done the drone footage, and we'd done that, like, at daybreak. We got up at half four to go down and do that cycling around the track, you know, and he was there like that. And he looks after a farm, and he has his own business. Obviously, he's a gym instructor, you know, so it's he went above and beyond, and I'm, I'm very thankful for him. And, and obviously, he, he put it into me that, yes, you're going out on a limb, but we will do it, and you can do it, you know. I like that. When you, have a, you feel more confident in it already. Yeah, because there's obviously the logistics of here's my idea and oh fuck, how do we do it now? There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, look, we do it, you know, and he knows my body. Like, obviously, I know my body better, better than anyone else, but I've been working with him for the last year, so he knows about my spasms. He knows about my the strength, and you know, he knows about my function, you know. So he's he knows that- he knows me back to front. That was one of the things that I thought was really, really good in the build up to it. You weren't just posting, you weren't just posting, um, you know, please donate, please link. Here's a celebrity. One of the things that was very interesting was you posted up a bit of progress and basically to demonstrate how difficult this was going to be for you, you posted up a video of you actually having a spasm and you posted up a video of you like two years ago trying to stand up. It was, it was amazing to yeah. see that. Yeah. I just wanted to like, you know, I, I suppose I wanted to show people at my weakest and, you know, the bad times, and, like, I was going to do one of me modern-day standing up, which would be pretty much the same, but I just thought I was sitting in the bed one day, and I was like, I don't know what I was doing, I was uh, taking a selfie or whatever, and the legs started shaking, and I just switched it on to video and just got a, got the video of my leg going going mental, so I just thought, I, like, you're, you're, you're always worried about putting up things like that, but then I said, look, I'll put it up, I don't, like, I don't put it up in a way to, like, gain pity, I suppose I put it up in a way to say, like, this is going to be fucking tough and fuck what have I done to myself? You know, you know, it's that kind of way. Cause people still, people see me on crutches and they think, geez, he's not too bad. They don't see the little things, you know, they never see them. They don't see the thing of like, that I still can't pee properly, that I might have to go in and sit in the bathroom for like two hours to like 
I don't have the pressure to get out my like people can't understand how frustrating it can be to be dying for a piss and to go in and sit there and nothing happen. And you start getting headaches and everything, you start getting sweats and you have to go back out into your room or back into the car and sit there again for another four hours. Like I might pee from I might get up in the morning at ten, eleven o'clock and I'll try to pee, it won't come. I mightn't pee till ten that night. And you have to go around with that pain for the day. And it's it's frustrating. Sometimes you feel like punching yourself in the face, you know. Well, you um, really do. well I, I think obviously knowing you for a couple of years, the one thing that's not in your vocabulary is pity as well. And then definitely that idea of like you're going to do as much for yourself as you can. Apart from that time you tricked me into giving you a sponge bath and then turned out you could shower perfectly fine. That was weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that, that, was, that was for uh, different uh, reasons. That was, it worked out. Look, it was it was fun for both of us in the end. And that's how I got. And that's the story about how I got the tour support job for uh, Farmer Michael and Kathleen. <laughs> Give me a SpongeBob and a SpongeBob, a sponge bath, and you're hired. Ah, oh, Jesus! Then I had to go and write jokes. It was very awkward. But um, no, that's. I mean, yeah. everybody. Every, I mean, I know that you know everybody around where you live. Well, like we're and you seem to have a you seem to have a great crowd who actually very well socially distance for a play to people that they behave themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was so nice to like have people down. I wasn't expecting so many people and so many locals and so many like just all backgrounds and you know loads of members of the traveling community, which are all big supporters of us. Of us, they come out and like everyone's cheering, cheering me around the track, which was so nice. And it was very uncomfortable for me because I, I never used to people like going, "Come on, Steve!" Oh, like I, I feel very uncomfortable with that kind of thing. You know, it's so it's trying to like you know salute people going around but I just felt very uncomfortable because I don't like I don't know you, you always feel I don't know from my past and stuff you always feel a sense of shame I suppose at the same time so you're kind of uncomfortable with uh, kudos and with applause and things Irish people in general are probably very uncomfortable with sort of being being cheered on and being thought in that way because you're always just yeah. waiting for somebody else to go don't be cheering for him he's a wanker yeah 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 or someone to go out you crippled bastard or you know it's like you're just so used to you're used to the the badness as well as the goodness. So you're yeah, like almost... we we have terrible tall poppy syndrome of yeah, you grow too tall and we'll cut you down kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. I, I thought I thought that was really nice to have your your community as well because I mean where you're from is uh, I mean although we do lots of jokes about it, uh, definitely when you were growing up was one of the sort of lower socioeconomic areas of Galway and also yeah. you're on the west coast of Ireland, man. And we always talk about that thing about beyond the pale and where the money goes in Ireland. It fucking takes a long time to get the west. Yeah, to hell or to Connacht. To hell, that's the one I wanted to say. To hell yeah. or to Connacht, yeah. And yeah. you boys chose Connacht, you mad bastards. Yeah. No, yeah. What was my, what were my parents thinking, or my grandparents actually? Yeah, this is the spot. Let's let's go yeah. on. Let's go farming where there's loads of stones in the grass. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose my dad is from Roscommon, and they have nice greenery down there. My mom is from Mayo. I, I question that a lot, but I don't know why they say like, "Let's head off now." Where will we go, Evan? Galway. <laughs> After our future lies, Galway. Where will we move into? There's a nice new place uh, being developed now called the West Side, where they're moving all the people from the old Rahoon flats and they're putting them in houses. We'll get one of those houses. Good work. Good work, Noel. You know, it's like, what the hell? But see, the flats were good back in that time when my parents were in them, and West Side was grand initially, as every place is. And then it just kind of went to shit. But it, like, it's grand now. It's not the worst place now. You know, I suppose every every area goes through kind of their shit times, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, well, I think that was what the thing that we started about, uh, talking about, which was the need for charity and the failed state kind of idea, was also yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever Ireland did have a lot of money, that should have been that we no longer needed those charities like you were raising money for, or that should have been whenever they were building infrastructure and not just a fucking motorway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they like, what's in helping working class people? They need to grab themselves by the bootstraps and help themselves. You know, they, like I, I got ahead in life with my dad being a wealthy man and I got a job in his business. Why can't you do it with uh, seven generations of unemployment and no future? Yeah. You know, it's so easy to compare when you are successful. It's like when people ask me, how did you get so much like views in your videos and how did you, I don't know. Like it just happened accidentally. I don't have a, a recipe. I don't know. I just acted a twat in my car and it took off. I don't know. You know, I can't, I can't help you in any way to how you would progress and get as many views in your videos because I don't know what I did. I know what I do now, but what I do now would not work with you or with Paul or with Johnny or with Sinead if she went on her own. You know, so it's just, you know, you listen to your audience, I suppose, and you try things. Like like what we do on stage, we, we never like, we never do, we've done one or two in progress shows, but I find it better to do it live there in front of like a crowded room because you get a better reaction than you would from 10 people. You can't judge what you do in a room with 10 or 20 people. You have to do it there and then. And if a lo- crowd laugh at it, that's being kept, you know, like you do as well. You know, it's I, yeah. trial and error. And our whole show has been about trial and error, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, well that's one of the things. I mean, obviously you did, you did the charity fundraiser because this is the time of the year when the Irish tour was on the road and we, I was doing the gigs with you. And the annoying thing yeah. was they were going great. The shows were really, yeah. really good, man. It was a nice well, we were very fast and it was sold out and we were going to put on a second night and then we didn't decide to put on the second night. We'll wait to see what happens with this Corona and then everything cancelled. Like, I didn't think that Galway would be the last show of the tour, like when it was meant to be the middle show, you know? So, yeah, but, you know, as I said before, look, that's life. They, like, people have died, so I haven't. No one near to me has, so I can't complain. I can't go yeah. around the poor mountain. Well, one of the things that I actually do want to say, and I, I do want to vocalize this as, as well and, and make this public record, I do have to thank you as well, because even with the uncertainty and all the bullshit, you were still good enough to fucking pay me the money I was owed. And that was before furloughs were announced before I was getting any money off the government to cover my work. So thank you very much for, there was no holding it back waiting to see what was going to happen. Like, You're welcome. I, we always try our best and it may, it may take a delay sometimes to get it through, but we, we always get it and we believe in always paying our acts fairly. And as you said before, do we do it like, do we do it on a pro, you know, set fee every show? And I was like, no, we wouldn't really do that because you lose out then. You know, we'll do it on what we earn and we calculate a bit roughly based on that because we don't want to, we don't want to do a massive show and give you 200 quid because that's not fair. You know what I mean? And obviously you'd win in the smaller shows, but you'd lose out in the long run, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, and then obviously by the time it comes through your account in the Cayman Islands and then it's deposited in Nazi gold in Switzerland, it has to come to my account in the north. So it takes ages. You'd be old enough to remember the Ansbacker accounts. Uh, nobody born after about 1985 understood that joke. Yeah, me and Barkley and Charlie, we still have a few of those operational. 
Yeah, if if you if you want a fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening in somewhere else in the world, there used to be a guy in Ireland called Bertie Ahern. He was at once the finance minister of the country who didn't have his own bank account. Enjoy that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't crooked. <gasps> no, he's not a pretty... That Bertie Ahern is corrupt. He is corrupt. He's found corrupt. He's a corrupt bastard. He should be in jail. And that's the simple... Simple of it. I hope he sues me. I'd love that. And Dennis O'Brien is another corrupt bastard, and he should be sued as well and put in jail. Uh, my my favorite thing, obviously, all was about the um about because from growing up in the north, I I grew up so close to. I mean, I'm eight miles from the border, and people used to say to me, you know, why did you? Well, if your family were didn't want to be there, why did the why did they not move? I'm like, because the next town down is the dock, and fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be you'd be a part of a gang feud now down there. Oh fuck yeah, probably no, not not for me. You'd but um, you'd be in the Sunday World and it said Darren Matthews, a trusted lieutenant. Oh, nice one. I I, in, I, I don't think it'd be a good idea. I, I don't. I mean, to be called a trusted oh, lieutenant, no people in my family wouldn't be too keen on joining armed forces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that, Jack. Well, you could be a a well-known enforcer with a long criminal history. That's true. Just if yeah. if you're in those Sunday papers, you can say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I know, yeah. Myself and my brother were going through all the buzzwords the last day, linked to Republican groups, all those things that have come after a person's name. I like the, um, I really like whenever they invent nicknames for people and they say it like, they, they try and portray it like this guy's been called this all his life, but they've just... And they made it up because yeah. they can't name it. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes, it becomes embedded in, in Irish criminal mythology. It's uh, it's pretty fucking stupid, but I mean, with all that kind of stuff going on, it is it is nice to actually get chatting, you, man, because of a positive thing that happened, and it ended up, it ended up being a nice distraction, I think, for everybody. So yeah, yeah, oh, definitely. Sure, I, I kind of don't know what I'd be doing with myself, to be honest. So it was good that I had something to focus on. I'm lost now, like, yeah. but I'm already planning like my next challenge, which would be probably to cycle from Rupert's Tower, which okay. is the well-known pony in uh, Crest. Uh, down to Goodison to raise money for the people's place, the mental health facility Everton are planning to build. In, to build, they're actually building a mental health hospital, which is crazy. But as you know, Everton are vastly involved in the community, so it's a good thing. And hopefully, we can get that on the road. And I think with the right backing and the crowd, the followers that we have in the wider Merseyside area and in the UK at large, we could easily raise like a quarter of a million at least. Okay, so I was actually going to say, what is your next daft project? But here we go. So you, there you, we go. you have to keep training down around that track. People are going to be bored of you yeah. doing fucking 5Ks. Oh, like, is he I doing know, it again? I know. I know. I, yeah, I'm bollocking myself. Every, every interview I do, I'm digging myself a deeper hole. Yeah. I'll have to cycle out of that hole. Well, one of the things that I wanted to say as well, and something that actually obviously, uh, obviously always cheers me up as well, is when you put up a lot of stuff with your with your family and your brothers and stuff. I see your brother got the got to have a go in one of the, the big choppers and one of the big Harleys, man. He yeah, seemed to be yeah. enjoying himself. Uh, Jamie, Jamie's just like, if you're ever in a bad mood, you just go for a spin with Jamie. He's the happiest, like, he's the happiest kid in the world. He has he, like, he has a learning disability and he just, he just doesn't have the ability to be bad-minded or to be mad. Like, he's just so trusting and lovely. And, like, the fact that he could come down and stand there and, Every time I got to like, you know, halfway around the track, I I could hear him going, "Come on, Steve!" And it was just, just how that was unbelievable, you know. And obviously, because I'm doing it in memory of like 
or mother, you know, so it was just a nice thing. And he came in to me the next day and I wasn't in as much pain as I expected. And he, yeah, like, usually I come to the window and he like shouts, he didn't ring the doorbell. He goes, stay down, get up. So I came to the window and I was like, how are you, Jamie? And he goes, well done on the cycle, Stephen. And then he went back in home again. And I was expecting him to go to the shop. And I was like, Jamie came in with a nice message instead of demands today. I must have done something well. So I was delighted. I was delighted. I mean, oh, everyone messaged like, people message me all the time. How was Jamie and things like that. So many people, like when I put up a photo, I go, I worked with Jamie and he's such a lovely kid and all that. So like, it's just really nice to have things like that. That's cool, man. Um, but before we let you go, that, that money that you, you raised when you, you've given it to the Irish Wheelchair Association, what does 50 grand actually buy them? I mean, how many people will this help or is it just divided among the services in, in the area? I'm not exactly sure. Obviously, I'll have to inquire about that and where exactly it's going to go. I don't want to pay in some CEO's wages, as you might understand. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'll have to get a, I'll have to get a few like guarantees or what it's going to be spent on. If it's spent on wages and work on the those on the front line, so be it. But obviously, it will, you know, it'll be, I, I'd say it'll be divided up and it'll get everything from walking frames to food for people to medications to everything. And it's 60, it's nearly 62 grand now, so... Happy days. Well, that, that's what we, we, we can leave it on as well. If the donations are still open, how long are you going to leave it open for? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll probably, just, I'll probably I'll leave it open for as long as, impossible, as long as possible. I'm not sure what the like, protocol is for them things, but I'd like to get it to like 60, 65 and then maybe close it. And okay. So, it into my so folks, if, if, you are, if you are listening to this um, and you do want to donate, we can just, what will we Google? I mean, it's obviously, what's it on? I just Google like Steve Hall. Timothy Irish Wheelchair Association or go to my Twitter or Facebook it's it'll come up on Google anyways Steve or Timothy Irish Wheelchair Association it's, there's enough headlines written about it it'll yeah. pop up somewhere exactly so folks if you're interested in donating and you have enjoyed the podcast and it's kind of weird it's hard to do these podcasts because we, we, I want to have a bit of crack with you because we're both comedians but we ended up talking about some pretty heavy subjects but it was a nice positive as well to get you on again and talk about something nice happening because People are very fucking down in the dumps with what's going on in the world. So nice work, buddy. Thank you for having me, Darren. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you've enjoyed this episode, as always, like, share, subscribe, and please go check out Steve-O's stuff and uh, donate and have a watch of some of the sketches and decide if you're offended or if you're clever enough to get them. (laughs) Say bye, Steve-O. Oh, God, I have to wind down the windows for a minute. (laughs) Fucking hell, man.